Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Love Talk Radio.
there are times when we, 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 we have to uh, take what we call our special holiday. And so a few years ago, uh, Thursday and Friday, the first weekend, became my holiday. I planned that out six months in advance, and I, those two days I'm taking off, I'm away. Uh, uh, tomorrow I'll be in Chicago. I just want to go in the space and be around, you know, Northwestern uh, in the tournament. I just want to get a feel for the atmosphere. Um, so I'm excited, man. We've got this Commonwealth Health Partnership on this year's uh, RSG Party Challenge. Uh, you can go to uh, realsportsguysparty.com and you can, if you want to get into it, you hear it, you can, you, can, you can log in. And the way that works, there's three prize spots. But if any one of the RSG guys occupy that, that prize is no longer available. This is a different kind of tournament. you got to outdo us. So I'm happy. I'm excited. You know, people celebrate their A game and we just slap them down. Uh, they think they know more than us. We just do it. This is this is where we get to we get to we get to stunt a little bit. So I'm excited about this, man. I'm, I'm looking. Uh, I'm seeing if I can't trust the list holds up. We got a lot of stuff, man. This is you know this is where we kind of get hyped, man. So you know, I get to hear my voice, can't you? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And again, the real sports guys are brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete uh, one stop spot for health solutions um, and health fitness. Um, health, beauty, everything. They cover the gamut of all the areas in which you can be better. Um, they work with you to create a better you, Carbon World Health, to connect. Uh, make sure you go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. That's a whole different kind of thing and, that they do there, and they do a wonderful yeah, job. Again, they talk about that lifestyle yeah. medicine. Tell them a little bit about it, D. Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, before we jump into it, so today is officially – the kickoff to the 90-day challenge is RFG against ESPN. It's our eight miles. You know, it's Papa Doc against <laughs> 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 And right, right. going down. And so, so, so we already did our official test uh, today. You know, I've been going. Uh, I got 25 pounds. Actually, it's more than that. I think it was 27 pounds down in about three, four weeks, maybe four or five weeks. Uh, everything looks good. We're getting the challenge, and I'm I'm putting the team together. So if you are in the Madison area and you want to be part of the team to get this experience, I'm going to be sending out. We'll be posting it on RSG.com. Uh, we'll have Dr. Rodriguez and the staff on to, to, to talk a little bit about it. But he's going to post a deal to get the entire solution. I was just in the cryo machine tonight. I got my love. It's called LeBron therapy. That's what I call it now. It's Money Mayweather type stuff we're doing over here. It's hard work and dedication. But I'm looking for a team. I'm looking for some people because we love to get back to ESPN. You know, one of my former students is on that ESPN side. I looked him down. I saw him today. He was, he was doing his test. I let him know. You know, we're the underground. You know, we, we, go, we elbow in the paint. You know, y'all Hollywood. Y'all Hollywood. We're underground. You know, we do right. right. We pop it out. <laughs> you know, so I'm excited that it's been quite an experience. Uh, you know, if you followed us on uh, uh, you get on our, our Facebook page. If you see some of the things that are put up on, on my page, you see that I am changing. So it's been, it's been great to have this partnership. Uh, uh, Dr. Rodriguez is great. Last weekend, we sponsored. Uh, he uh, he had this talk he's been doing. We had a young man uh, who was from TCU, Rose Scott. Incredible story. Uh, he grew up in Compton, California. Had to go through three gang neighborhoods to get to school. And now he's at uh, uh, finishing up at TCU and Rhodes College. Major economics, didn't even know what economics was. Didn't even know what it was all about. So, you know, so this is about transformation. They they 
when he was there to talk to kids in the city of Madison about who are who are experiencing difficulty, uh, changing lives. These kids are signed up, mentoring. So that's our needs, and they're they're doing a whole. It's not just about the whole body. They're doing things for the community, and these are the kind of partners that RSG we're trying to have. So you hear excitement in my voice. Um, we're ready to go. We try to change lives. We try to we we try to be part of that change. That's what's going down. That's what's going down. I told you, 2017, we're doing something different. I said it. You can put a stamp on it. Now we're about to take ESPN down. We just tied out. We just we just we just take the sneak out. You know, we just take the. We don't come like we don't come like really mild. We like we don't we don't we don't hide. We say what we don't say. You know, we don't make this record to put Wayne and Drake on it. We just we come and do it. You you know who we're talking about. So we're looking forward to it. You know, we have our fun with those guys. They got me on the show. Uh, uh, there in, uh, in, in the Madison one, and I was able to do it. I hope to get them on. Uh, but at the end of the day, we hope we're going to do something good for the community as part of this. Absolutely. And that's what this is all about. This is all about taking uh, sports and connecting it to life. Um, and again, we appreciate that partnership with Carbon World Health. Um, we appreciate our, our, our fellow folks at ESPN, Madison. Um, we got to take them down, though. You know what I'm oh, saying? You know that, that's man. the free world. <laughs> <laughs> I want to lead you out, man, to get the right people on the team, James. You know that's your right. home court. I need to get the right yeah. jobs. I, I want nothing but, like Trey said, you know, we want nothing but hyenas. I don't care where you are in your health. I just need your motivation. Break out the jackals. Get the jackals out there. Get the jackals out. We want people are serious. I think they used to be like, but I walked in there. I'm a big guy. I couldn't make it through the warm up. Now I'm, I'm I'm striving, you know. I'm like I'm grinding, you know. Y'all 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 lightweight people. I'm catching you. I need people with that kind of attitude on the team. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, Game Change is a great recruiter. So I'm gonna need him to help me build this squad. Uh, you know, uh, we gonna get some shirts. We gonna do some stuff with this. Uh, you know, so we ready to go, man. We, uh, you know, ESPN and stuff did it. You know. <laughs> I don't even. I, I, I know. What you say? So we coming like Remy. We coming like Remy. Yeah, we coming like Remy, man. Some of our players, you know, some of our players sometimes show up there uh, in Briscoe. We, you know, you heard them a couple times on the game show. We were saying some stuff, and then you listen to the ESP like somebody just sneak listening. You know, somebody's doing it. So we, we, we trying to we trying to make it happen over here. But I'm gonna need your help, man, because you got you got the home court advantage. You know how to scout. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you for sure. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a nice little deal. So, man, it is basketball Christmas as we like to call it. This is our personal holidays. Um, if you are a basketball fan, this is the best time of year. We just wrapped up college tournament season, uh, and now we're going to. Uh, we now we're going to. Uh, to uh to the tournament season and it's bracket season and so you gotta get those brackets in. Um we got our challenge. Make sure you jump into that. D Wills kinda told you about that in a little bit. Um this portion of the show is called Intro to Let Them Know. And this is where we're gonna give you a quick rundown of what we got in store. Tonight is gonna be all brackets, all tournament talk. Uh, we're gonna break down our formula for the year, talk about the bracket, give you the toughest region, which one C we think is going out first. Uh, which of the blue bloods, the kind of traditional powers, do we think is going to underperform this year? Uh, we're also going to talk about if the one seeds were wire characters, who would they be? 
the 4-1 season in the tournament. And then at the end of the show, we're going to unveil our Final Four. We're going to finesse this. We're going to lay this out for you all. Again, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with us, and we appreciate your patronage. Fellas, let's go ahead and get into this. D-Wills, first up, now for me, this year has been a whirlwind year. You know, I've been locked in with my own basketball season, um, so I haven't really been able to catch a ton of basketball watching it on TV because I'm watching tape, I'm scouting, I'm trying to figure out what we need uh-huh. to be doing for my team. So I haven't been really locked in as I usually am to what's going on in college hoops, um, let alone pro hoops. Um, and, again, I'm a pro hoop guy myself, so I tend to – if I got to choose, I'm going to choose the league over everything. Um, but with that said, it's, we're at that point where I got I to gotta figure out how, who I'm picking. Because as a competitive person, I don't care what I know, I want to win. <laughs> so I've had to adjust my formula this year, come up with a different kind of game plan. What game plan are you rolling with this year? There are a lot of different ways in which you can kind of figure this out. And I don't think there's one particular way that uh, necessarily is guaranteed to work. So, um, so yeah, what you think? Well, there's a couple of things that I think are critical. Um that I got to look at. Uh, first of all, uh, the tournament is important. You got to have great guard play um, because you have to be able to adjust, and you got to have some ball handlers and some folks who can break some things down uh, when when things don't work. A lot of times, when you you have a quick turnaround, uh, you don't have that much time to prepare. You got to have somebody. You got to have a floor general out there who can get it where you need to do it at a timely manner. So I look for for uh, elite guard play. Uh, the other thing I look for uh, is teams that play a style that's hard to prepare for. So a great team like that historically has been a team like Wisconsin. You know, you, if, you can, if, if you catch them on the turnover weekend, they play a unique style that if you haven't seen it sometimes and how they're to play, uh, it can be an adjustment for you. It's hard to prepare for in a, in, a, in a short period of time to figure that out, to be able to game plan. Um, and then I look for people, teams, who can play where they don't shoot well. That means they can, they can offer the rebound, they can get extra possessions. They don't necessarily – you can say you can be that great formula. You know that Marcus stat, that when, when, when his teams are going, they can play – they can win a game not really looking like they play well because they're just going to beat you on effort. They're going to play defense. They're going to rebound in a way that they don't always have to shoot well to win. And, and I look for teams who can, uh, uh, who can do that. Uh, and then I, I, I take it to my can't trust it list. Those coaches who over, over scheme, who seem to do it on a regular basis and sometimes cost their teams rather than letting their talent play. You know, sometimes in a tournament, you've got to have the deeper in the tournament, it becomes more of a player's tournament. You know, that sometimes somebody's got to make a play. And those coaches who allow those players to be loose in those crucial moments, those teams who kind of got that approach are the ones who can, who can go deep because uh, it's almost like that Valvado thing where he inspires his players to just play. And those coaches who have the ability to just get their players to play and not worry about a lot of this other stuff are, are teams that I look for. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, what I've kind of started to do from year to year 
is try and hone in on one particular theme that I think will resonate throughout the majority of the tournament and get me the best chance to pick the right kind of teams. Um, and this year, since I don't know a ton about necessarily a lot of the teams in this tournament, and I don't know why that is. I think this year was just not that I'm, I wasn't able to catch games. It's just I wasn't compelled to, like, make time for college basketball. Um, Duke came in as a highly billed team. They had a bunch of uh, – uh, they had one of those kind of uh, Coach Cal recruiting classes where he just got a bunch Whoa. of guys who are all top-level talents, and they should have been, you know, wire-to-wire number one. Um, uh-huh. it's just interesting to me because we always talk about Coach K and how he can have talent, but it always don't really mesh right. And that's just that, – that sometimes is an interesting thing with him. Um so, you know, I think given I wasn't compelled, the thing that I find myself doing when I filled out my bracket um, yesterday was I went with teams with pros, and that's the approach I, I think I'm going to take this year. So the team with the most – because I, I, like, I feel like overall college basketball this year doesn't have a ton of stars. Um, there aren't a lot of guys who are just like – even guys who have been in school for a couple of years, like a Buddy Heald, or guys like that who are veteran seniors who are balling. I don't really see that. Um, so I think because of that, I think the teams with elite players are going to have a distinct advantage in this bracket field. Um, I think they're going to have an advantage because they're going to have, again, as a coach, when you go against somebody who is, you know, a level above everybody else, they're going to do things you can't scheme for. They're going to do things you can't plan for. They're going to make plays. When your player does everything you asked them to do and they do it well and that guy still makes a play, yeah, that those are the guys that I'm looking for. Those are the teams that I'm looking for with it. Teams with guys like that and how many of those guys or guys who are close to that level do you have. That's kind of how I went about this um, myself this year. You know, usually I kind of focus on guard play and who has senior guards, um, who has good guard play, and, you know, style and all those things, but I don't know enough about the teams to use one of those metrics this year. So I kind of got to rely on the thing that I do know. And I know the pro game. And I know the, who, who, the guys who are supposed to be pros. Um, and so that's kind of how I went about my bracket this year, which it was an interesting exercise for me because, again, I am in the dark. I, can't, I couldn't tell you nothing about Vermont. I couldn't tell you nothing about no Creighton. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't even tell you about Louisville this year. <laughs> I know Butler. I caught a couple wow. of games on FS1. You know what I mean? Um, I just I, I wasn't really locked in this year, and again, I, I don't know. It just I just wasn't compelled, and maybe that's what happens when Villanova wins the national championship. <laughs> it just kind of oh, throws wow, everybody wow. off. That's just not supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, as much as we uh, malign Jay Wright um, when he finally gets one, I guess it's a little watered down. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Izzo's team wasn't great this year. The Big Ten was down. Um, the Big 12 wasn't super strong. Um, you know, the ACC was back on top, but it was almost like the ACC was on top by default. I just didn't feel like that there was a uh, any, there was just like a lot of compelling action going on um, anywhere. I mean, maybe maybe in the Pac-12 with the uh, Oregon, UCLA, and um, and uh, Arizona kind of uh, battle at the top of the Pac-12. But other than that, man, I just really wasn't compelled to watch some of these games. Um, 
where are you at? How are you feeling about your knowledge base of the teams in the field this year? Well, I'll say, that, you know, um, for all the reasons you said, it was it was tough in previous years. I probably watched a little bit more college basketball this year than I probably have in the past. And, and I probably watched a little more West Coast basketball um, this year. I, I tell you, one of the annoying things is listening to Bill Walton do a UCLA game. We talked about that before. It gets, uh, it gets on your nerves. But um, but I, I've had a chance to watch a, a, a little bit of uh, basketball uh, this year, so I have a, a little bit of a feel uh, uh, for it, um, but not enough. There's a couple of teams I just haven't seen play, but I've been listening to a lot of folks talk a little bit about them. I've been trying to catch a little bit of video, kind of see what they're doing. Um, but I, I feel, I do feel that you talked a little bit about um, not paying as much seniors. I, I do feel that this might be the tournament where some of these mid-majors and some of these um, uh, even uh, power five conferences with a little bit more uh, uh, senior, junior, senior presence uh, might pay dividends this year. I just, I just feel uh, that way. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that play out. And I think that's where teams, very talented teams like Kentucky or Duke or UCLA in some of these places could be vulnerable to some veteran squads who – it's not going to be shook by the fact that you have been down with all America. They don't really care. Um, and that's going to be an interesting dynamic um, on some of these, these games because some of these youngsters are developed, but um, some of them, are, they're, not, they're not playing at a level uh, in which some of these seniors can, using that basketball IT, and, and, and some of these teams have had experience in the tournament. So they didn't even talk about being in the tournament. So it's going to be interesting. I think that element of, of upper-class players could could play out uh, in this tournament. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm I, like I said, I'm just kind of throwing stuff against the wall this year. We're gonna see if it sticks. Watch this be the year I kill everybody. <laughs> need, oh, and if I do kill y'all, I am gonna. Oh, oh, I'm not gonna do it silently though. I'm not gonna do it silently. So if 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 I, if I either I'm going down in flames and it's gonna be a noisy crash. <laughs> It's going to be a noisy, loud explosion, or I'm about to blow up, and I'm a whistling missile, and I'm coming right for you, and you it's not going to be one of those drone attacks. You're going to know when I hit you. So. You got to take all those top spots so we can just sell on everybody. You know? You know I yeah. Mean, we got a couple of people up there signed up. They say you know what they're doing. I say, okay. Yeah. Right. What do you know about Bucknell? Yeah, 
right? Because as a one seed, you hope that your bracket is your 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 region is good enough where, or your two, your three, and your four are weak enough where they can get picked off by a five or an eleven or maybe even upset. You know what I mean? You hope that they can get picked off before you have to see them. And not only did I look at a certain region and see, like, the two, three, and the four probably are going to advance, but also the two, three, and the four are almost like the kryptonite for the one. Like, they are the type of team that I think could give the one fits, and that's Gonzaga's region. Gonzaga has Arizona, Florida State, and West Virginia in their region. Now, this isn't the Gonzaga of old. I've actually seen Gonzaga play a couple of times because I'm up late at night quite often. Um, and so I, I'll have a game on in the background as I'm doing stuff but not really watching it. But I've been able to watch Gonzaga probably like three or four times um, this year just because I've been up late at night and they, they're usually on at that time. Um, and this isn't the usual Gonzaga team. I don't even think they had the little curly hair white point guard they usually had. You know, they have the obligatory curly hair white point guard, Dan Dickow, Luke Rittenauer type of dude, you know what I mean, that's usually out there running the show. They don't have that this year. They have some brothers out there who can ball. (laughs) Now, the thing that they always do have is some big lumbering big men from somewhere else, um, from other places. (laughs) So they do have that. You know, they got the dude whose name I can't pronounce, Tarzan, something like that, Tarzan, Tarzinski. Somebody like, y'all know who I'm talking about, the big dude. Um, but I think the kryptonite for this team would be an up-tempo, really athletic group. Now, again, this isn't to say that Gonzaga isn't athletic. I'm not pushing that type of agenda or that type of narrative. They are a very athletic team. This is probably the most complete and athletic team Mark Few has had. But when you talk about Arizona and the way that they have links at all positions, they have guys who can get to the rack, they can match – Gonzaga in a way that maybe some of the other twos can't match their one. Um, you got Florida State. Florida State is a team full of long athletes who defend. I mean, they got some long cats. I mean, they got like mm-hmm. seven one, seven two dudes coming off the bench, and I've been able to see them a couple of times, and Leonard Hamilton always does a great job of, of coaching his teams up defensively. Um, and Florida State is usually one of the better defensive, defensive teams in the ACC year in and year out. So that's another team that I think could pose a challenge. And then you got West Virginia. And West Virginia is in your face. They're pressing the whole game. They're coming after you. I mean, I watched one of West Virginia games, and Huggins almost Huggins had Huggins collapsed. <laughs> As I'm watching the game, I'm like, did he fall out? And then he got up and started coaching again and was just like, leave me alone. Like, people were trying to check on him. He's like, I'm fine. Go away. You're not fine. You just fell out. <laughs> like, you just fell out. <laughs> like, no. No, and I'm not, I'm not using – I'm using the term sellout for a reason. Like, there's collapsing, there's, you know, losing consciousness, and there's falling out. He fell out. <laughs> like, old ladies at – old ladies at church on Sunday fall out <laughs> when it's too hot. It's fall out. He fell out. <laughs> and that's when he got up and he was like, leave me alone. Don't bother me. Don't ask me no questions. You know, dude, you just fell out. We got to check on you, all right? You can't just be falling out in the middle of an arena. <laughs> like, this, you ain't in your living room. You in an arena, man. You traumatizing people. We got to check on you. You can't be waving people off after you just fell out in front of a bunch of people. Um, but I think that region, because I don't trust Notre Dame this year. Um, I'm, this isn't an impressive group. 
Um, and uh, Mike Bray usually does a really good job with his teams. I'm just not really in, intrigued by the talent that they have. Maryland is young, and trust me, I I know young. <laughs> and young is equal to inconsistent. <laughs> and Maryland could beat anybody in this bracket, but Maryland could lose to anybody in this bracket at the same time. Um, and I think, you know, that'll bow well for Florida State. VCU, I think, is a, a year or two away from, from being really like the VCU that we know. Um, I think this team, they have a lot of talent. It's younger talent. They're kind of starting to scratch the surface of what they can be. Um, I still think they're a dangerous team. They could clip Arizona, um, but I think Arizona is just too talented. Like when I do my pro count, Arizona's got three dudes who I think could be pros, um, not stars have a shot to play in the league, make a roster, stick on the roster, be in the league for two or three years at least. Um, so I have, I, have, I have a high opinion of what Arizona has. And maybe Sean Miller is looking at this like, yo, Jay Wright got it done last year. Might be my turn. All right? <laughs> so I think that region, the West in particular, with Gonzaga as the one, I think is really, really, really tough because I think they don't have – a deep region, and, I, and I'm saying it's tough for a different reason, not because it's stacked and anybody can come out of it, but because I think the one seed is going to have the hardest – they're going to have to go through it to get out um, because I think they have bad matchups with the, uh, with the other top four seeds in their region. I don't think any of those teams match up – Gonzaga matches up well with any of those teams. Um, and so I think that's going to be tough for them. With that said, though, I've seen this Gonzaga team. I think this is – I think I think I think this team is going is going go far. Um, I think they're going to make the championship game. Yeah. I think they'll make the final four. They'll make the championship game. I think this is the year we see Gonzaga kind of break through a little bit and get to the title game. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later when we start revealing our final fours. Um, yeah, and I, I, I was going to add. I, I think the other one that's pretty interesting, along with what you were saying, um, is uh, uh, the Midwest region because. Uh, for a different reason, I would say um, sometimes the tournament lights come on. So let's say Michigan State wins that first-round game and plays Kansas. Michigan State has been kind of hung along, but, you know, is the kind of cat that might muster something up. He's got talent, right? That's an interesting matchup for Kansas. If a team like Michigan State gets to, or even Miami, I would say, both those teams could be tough second-round matchups. But then you take a team like Nevada that's been hot. You have Purdue with, uh, you know, one of the you know, best players in the uh, country in, uh, in, in, in Swanigan. Um, and then you get to take a team like Rhode Island that has just been hot. And then Oregon, even though they got the injury, um, I've watched them play. They're deep. Um, they still can make a run. Um, and then uh, Michigan will come say that. Interesting, but then you got Louisville, um, who, you know, that's a team, when you look at it, they got all the pieces. To, to really be able to make a run. So that Midwest region, you got some, you got some mid-majors who got experience and, 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 and not going to be shocked. You got some programs who got history of being in the tournament and got their own expectations. Um, and, uh, and then you got Kansas who have historically sometimes been shaky, you know, uh, been on that can't trust it list. Like, even though they got all the talent and other things, they lose games, and you still don't know why they're not in the Final Four. Like, 
in every year you look at Kansas, you're like, they could be a lot for the Final Four, and then they don't make it. You don't, and you can't really figure out why they didn't make it. And so I think that's a, a region that could be uh, be very tough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And yeah, Kansas, we're going to talk about the Blue Buzz in a minute, but Kansas is one of those Blue Buzz. We need to investigate for a second. We're just going gonna to talk through some of these uh, established programs. Um, the first one seed you think is going to go out, and when do they go out? So one seeds, we got uh, we got Gonzaga, we got Villanova, we've got um, North Carolina, and Kansas. Which one of those teams do you think is going out first? Well, the team I have going out first is Villanova. Mm. So you got uh, them I'm going bad. out first. Huh? Yep. I said you got them going out first. Who's taking them out? Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's, okay a, so it's a crazy matchup, but I, I got Wisconsin taking them out. Wow, wow. And, you know, that's not a too far-fetched of a concept, really, though. That's not too far-fetched. Um, definitely could happen. Um, most definitely could happen. Um, it, Wisconsin is a team that I think at the, going into the season, people felt like they were um, a potential Final Four team with tons of production coming back from last year's team, which was really good um, and really kind of broke through with the coaching change from Bo Ryan to Greg Gard. Um and they're senior-laden, um, a lot of seniors. Um, they can beat you inside. They can beat you outside when the shots are falling. Um, defensively, they haven't played like a Wisconsin team um, that, that we've known over the years when we think about the brand of Wisconsin basketball. But they, I think that's a team that could beat anybody. And it's kind of unfair that Villanova got matched up with them as the overall one seed. Like, that's some bull. Yeah. <laughs> if, I'm if I'm Jay Wright, if I'm Jay Wright, I'm looking at the selection committee with mad side eye, man. I'm giving them that look like, yeah. oh, okay, this how y'all going to play me? Like, they're getting a wee bay. <laughs> they're getting a wee bay look like, what? Oh, okay. I, I, got, I got Wisconsin in the second round? Mm, interesting. Number one overall seed, I guess. <laughs> the other one I have going out at the same time, but I'm not set on this one because I haven't like, finished it, but Kansas is another one. Michigan State over Kansas. And this yeah. is old thing. It is old thing. On paper, you're like, that can't happen. But Israel's got talent, and Israel is one of the best tournament coaches. He can muster up. He's got a tournament he, he sometimes does well in. <laughs> you forgot about him. <laughs> he, he's got a little extra time to work with folks and regroup them. But I think because of Kansas' shaky history, and, and and how he's kind of been growing, and these you know these kids had a lot of tread on. They had some injuries. Uh, that was, but I haven't quite finished that one yet. But it's it, I'm leaning towards Michigan State over ten. Yeah, man, I can see that one. I can see that one. Like I said, and that would that would be an interesting kind of narrative for the Big Ten. Um, if the Big yeah. Ten has two. Eight, a eight and a nine, and they both knock off the one, two, one seeds. That'd be an interesting, a very, very, very interesting um, narrative um, going forward for the Big Ten, because um, it would catch folks off guard. It would catch folks off guard for sure. Um, the one seed that I feel like is gonna go out first, and I'm with you with Kansas. That's my pick. Um, 
Kansas has to go through Michigan State. I think that could be the pitfall that gets them. Again, everything you said about Izzo, um, I think that team is a sleeping giant. And Izzo, I, I wouldn't want to coach against him. <laughs> like if we're going coach for coach, um, and this was a bracket just based on coaches, Izzo would not be a nine seed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you were just going on mm-hmm. coaches, Izzo would not be a nine seed, and he would be favored in a game over Bill Self. <laughs> In a matchup with Bill Self, Izzo would be favored to win that. So um, I'm going with Kansas, too, as the one seed I think is most likely to go down. Um, and, you know, I think Villanova, unfortunately, I think I think if Villanova gets past Wisconsin, they have smooth sailing until they get to Duke um, in the Elite uh, – is that the – yeah, in the Elite Eight. I think they'd have smooth sailing yeah, until they got to Duke. Because I think Virginia is not great. Florida's not great. And actually, I think both of them could get picked off in the first round. Like, I think mm-hmm. both of them may not even make it out of the first weekend, um, either of those teams. And I think you're going to see either Wilmington or East Tennessee um, climb out of that. That's where I'm picking my upsets. So, Villanova has to get by Wisconsin um, if, we're, if they're playing Wisconsin. Now, if they're playing Virginia Tech, which, again, with this Wisconsin team could very well happen because they've been really inconsistent all year. Um, or they yeah. had a spell of inconsistency, and if their shots aren't falling, they can be in trouble. Um, there are lots of things that they don't do as well as you would expect a Wisconsin team to do. So they're definitely beatable, but if they get into that game with Villanova, oftentimes they play to the level of their competition. Um, and I think those seniors, um, those those battle-tested seniors at Wisconsin will be ready for a big game, and they know how to play in the tournament. Um, and, you know, I'm friends with a lot of former Badgers. Yeah, if, right. If I'm friends with a lot of former Badgers, up, and the thing that they've been saying, the thing that the former Badgers have been saying all since the seeds came out is the last time, remember the last time Wisconsin was an AC, that was the year 2000 when they went the first time they went to the Final Four. Well, the second time they went to the Final Four because um, they went that one time in like the 40s. <laughs> but the first time like the modern era they went to the Final Four was in 2000, and they were an AC when they did that. So, you know, that's what all the old school badges are, are throwing out there on social media is remember the last time we were in AC. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that all goes. Now, I want to shift gears. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSU Renegade Radio, brought to you by Carbon World Health. Uh, make sure you check out Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his amazing staff at carbonworldhealth.com where you can get in tune with what they call lifestyle medicine. All right. Uh, we're in the midst of talking through the tournament. Um, you know, this is a year where a lot of the, the Blue Blood seeds are ranked high. I mean, you got UNC as a one, Duke is a two, Kentucky's a two, Kansas is a one, UCLA is a three. I mean, is it 1985? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are we st- are we back in the 90s with with these uh, with these highly ranked traditional powers? Um, but somebody's going down. Somebody's going down, and somebody's going to underperform. We know this, right? One of these blue blood programs is going to get knocked off by a nobody. Somebody's going to make a name off of the, Yeah, they're going to get done. <laughs> so which one of them do you think it'll be? Mm. All right. Mm. <clears throat> Let me take a look at my list again because I want to make sure I don't want to out speak on this. 
because I, I was thinking that through. Um, who's going to do it? Um, who's going to underperform? Well, I mean, we I think we just talked about it. Kansas underperforming uh, is, is, is 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 one. I think Carolina is going to perform. Um, UCLA and Kentucky are the most vulnerable because of you. Um, and Kentucky is uh, facing that's another one. Kentucky facing with my face with Sean State in the second round. And I heard you hear Cal Perry complain because you he's already saying just do the S. There were six folks talking about the C, just do the S. It's a, and I can already see him at the podium. I actually have Wichita State beating Kentucky. And I can already hear Cal Perry at the podium talking about the seeding and Wichita State has never been a 10 seed. So I think they're really vulnerable. UCLA is all going to come down to how well they play defense. Offensively, they can go with anybody in the country. Do they commit to defense uh, in a way, or just they're going to just try to outscore? Um, and I trust them probably a little more than uh, Kentucky because of Ball, because Ball uh, is that point guard, that guy in control, getting the plays in a way, break things down in a way that I think uh, will get them through some things. Um, and they got some timely shooters who can, who can get some stuff done. But I think both those things, they might be going just because of you, but Kentucky, other than Kansas, might be the most vulnerable blue bloods. And in Duke, Duke is hard to tell. They've been pretty hard. Yeah, I think they're putting it together here lately. Um, uh, I think they can make a deep run. Um, and uh, they, they just provide so much matchup problems with, their, with some of their bigs who can handle. Um, uh, so I think, you know, the Marquette matchup, if they have Marquette in the second round, if they have South Carolina, I think South Carolina brings the pressure back and Duke has ball handling in all spots that will allow for them to, to get past South Carolina. But if it was a Marquette matchup with a team that's equally gifted offensively, that could be a problem for them. But I think it's the one that probably out was Kansas. Okay. Yeah, that's the, again, Kansas is the one for me. Um, Kansas is the one for me. I don't – I'm not really feeling this kind of I, – I, I've seen them a couple of times. And I haven't I, – I will totally admit, I haven't watched them real close. But when I watch them, I always just feel like it's just not – like Josh Jackson saves them a lot. And I just don't think that they have – they just have never look like, ooh, that's a, dang, that's, a, that's a really good team. Like when I watch them, I'm like, man, they're okay. You know, they just got to figure it out. Um, I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan um, of, of Kansas at all. Um, Kentucky, I think, because of their youth, I think they can get clipped because um, they can be so hot and cold, so night and day uh, from game to game with who they are and how they play. I think if they go against a veteran squad, that is going to be a little bit more steely, a little bit more locked in. They can get knocked off. Um, you know, it's just it's just youth. And then Duke, I just feel like that's a volatile team. Like, I just don't know what to make of them. Um, and we're going to talk about Duke in a, in a moment. Um, in particular, uh, we, you know, Duke is known for producing, like, players that just pe- people hate. Um, from going back to Christian Leitner, uh, Bobby Hurley, on the, to Chris Collins, Wojciechowski, um, J.J. Reddick. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys that just like at Duke, they're just people, Shane Battier, they're just people didn't like and don't like. 
Um, one, who's the most, who's your most hated Dookie? <laughs> wow, that's a tough one. Well, I, I would say. No, um, it's not. You know, that's an easy Lakers, question. Yeah, 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 you know, we were up in the Final Four when it was in, uh, in uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, I was up there. And uh, a couple of times, I mean, they didn't even talk to They, like, real kind of just had this attitude, wouldn't even talk to folks. You know, Van Exel and all these cats, Cincinnati was up there. Cats was engaging. You know, uh, the Michigan cats was engaging. You know, but they were kind of, like, off-putting in a way they didn't have to be. It went over, like, out in social settings. And so, you know, I would say, I would say, Leitner is the biggest. You know, I used to like a lot of Duke teams early on because they were they were working class. In some ways, Gonzaga is at that same place where that kind of that team with Allery and a lot of these guys who I really liked those Duke teams because they were like working class. And then they kind of like moved to the suburbs. They got real, you know, uh, you know, got new money and started acting different. You know, with a different vibe than what it was when. You know, they had Jay Billis and, and all those cats coming through. Well, I actually really like those teams. I remember they couldn't break through kind of like Gonzaga, and Kay was was fighting and getting through. Um, and then, you know, then they got really Hollywood after that, in a way that I felt. So I would say Leighton was probably the one that some of the other cats I don't really mind. I never really mind. I, 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 didn't, I didn't really hate them the way, but I think Leighton earned it. Yeah, Leitner is is always gonna be the, just the most disliked. I just I just can't mess with Christian Leitner. I just felt like he was the type of dude that would cheat on the test and let somebody else take the rap for it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he was like Zach Morris meets um, Ivan Drago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt about him, man. He had the preppy Zach Morris kind of look, but then he had that like Drago anywhere. It was just like, yo, we can't kill this dude. <laughs> like he won't die. <laughs> like you can't get rid of this guy, man. And so like you just hated him for it because he was good. You know, he was good. He killed your team. You hated him. He had he 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 showed no mercy. Um, he was super competitive. But then he just looked so daggone privileged. <laughs> and so it just made you mad. It's just like the CEO's kid is just winning again. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it just it just it just eats you up inside. Um, but now we have a new Duke villain in Grayson Allen. And, you know, where does he first off, what are your opinions of Grayson Allen? Um and some of the things that, you know, he's been kinda caught doing. Um on camera. You know, it's, it's interesting how the audit do play. I actually have the least problem with Grayson Allen. I kind of like him. I like his funk in his game. I really, you know, I, I think, you know, at times when, you know, I think the snowball, and you can get caught into something where it's just kind of like you can't kind of get out of the matrix. It feels like he's there, and it feels like some other stuff is going on in his life. But I, I, didn't, I, I didn't see him. I don't know why it is. I actually have a different view of who he is versus other Duke players I've watched. And I actually like Grayson's competitive. I, I like what he gets after things. Um, he made some untimely stuff, but it's one of the things that kind of snowball. Once you get caught in, you can't get out of it. By the way, he's not like like a Leitner who was was uh, I think uh, more lambish in his ways. He did things right. Um, whereas I, I 
court. He's like he's like Russell Westbrook in a sense that he just goes black on it. And he gets into a, in his in his mood and then things just happen. But I don't think he's intentional about it. I just think that he is awesome competitive and focused and he just goes black on the court. And in that sense I probably had I had least amount of problems with him and some of the things I saw um you know, they're making a lot of people. So I don't, I don't really, I, you know, I don't have a problem with Grayson, to tell you the truth. I don't have a deep player that I watch. I kind of like it. I like it because I'm in on dunk on you, too, you know, you know, if you act wrong. So I, I, actually, I don't have the same kind of opinion on him as I think people try to take him. In a way, I just think he's the kind of kid that's just, when he's on the court, he goes black. He's just in the moment, he's just losing himself. And he's emotional. <laughs> um, and... It, 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 I don't know, I, he got a little wet foot in him. <laughs> he just go black cold and he just wake up and he's already he done something he just can't believe he did it. Like he just goes black versus you know Leitner who was just very tactical about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I do have a I, well I don't have a problem with him but I just think you know he gets a little extra. In the same way, I think Draymond gets a little extra, you know. Yeah. Um, and the same way, Rodman got a little extra. Um, yeah. Or yeah. or or Doug Christie or Matt Barnes, right? Or yeah. Matt Barnes, you know. Those guys yeah. are just they they they're not just gonna foul you, right? They're gonna foul yeah. you and then lock up your arm and get real strong all of a sudden and just hold on to you. <laughs> You know, it's always a couple of dudes like that. that you know, you play with them at, at, at the pickup game, and it's like, man, why are you fouling me so hard? Like, this is a pickup game. You Not only did you hit me and foul me going for the ball, but then, like, you got to, like, grab me and, like, fall into me and just be extra. Like, it, 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 I had I had a teammate in college. Man. I'm not going to name him because <laughs> he might be listening. <laughs> He was just extra, man. He he knocked me out in practice one day being extra on a rebound. You know, he go up, get a rebound, and this brother come. I mean, he just flailing on his arms. He grabbed the ball. He got his elbows out. He chin it. And as he comes out of the air, his elbow, like his, his, his tricep, his elbow to his tricep, all that just hit me on the bridge of my nose, man. Man, I remember getting hit, and I remember waking up on the sideline with tissue in my nose, blood on my jersey. <laughs> he knocked me out, man. But he's like, man, it ain't had to be all that. Just grab the rebound, bro. <laughs> you had to be all extra with it and flex and, 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 you know, get your elbows out. You know, clock me, man. I'm a little guard trying to come in there and steal a rebound, man. Knock me out cold. You know what I mean? But uh, it's always one of those. And I just feel like that's what Grayson Allen is, man. Um, he's the type of dude that's always just extra is his norm. You know what I'm saying? Like, being extra is his normal. Like, you know, I think that's just his normal. It's just like he's just extra. Like he's just always doing that extra thing. Like he's going he's gonna to do it, but he's going to take it. He's, there's no subtlety in anything he does. <laughs> like there's no subtlety <laughs> in how he competes. Um, and, you know, truth be told, that's going to get him punched in <laughs> the next level. <laughs> That's gonna get him rocked at the next level, at least once. At least once. Again, all those people I named, somebody stole off on him at least once. <laughs> Draymond got his cover. <laughs> all those 
Oh, oh okay. see by the name. Somebody that stole Rodman, Barnes, you know, all those dudes, Lambeer, all them cats that them agitator types, uh, Doug Christie, you know what I'm saying? It, all those agitator types, man, somebody going to swing off on you at least once. They're going to steal on you at least once. You had to catch them once. <laughs> at least once it's going to happen. And, you know, unfortunately, being Caucasian, um, he, he people will have a quicker trigger with him. <laughs> yeah, they do. They go test him right out the gate. <laughs> you think you gonna come up here doing yeah, that stuff? It was crazy, but I don't think he cares. That's what I'm like, man. He said, I don't think he really cares. He's like, come on with. with the, and, like, and they don't. And they don't. Yeah. And they don't. That's what makes him an agitator. You know, he's the type of dude that you might punch in the face and he might smile at you. You know what I mean? Like I can see him being that kind of guy. <laughs> like he's That's that right. dude. Like you punch him and he's like, yeah, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> You know, that's just how it goes, man. That's just how it goes. Um, as we continue to look at the Blue Bloods, man, I want to talk about LeVar Ball. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is up with yeah. this dude, man? So, you know, the litmus test is always the missus. And I had uh, ESPN on uh, one night, and they did the LeVar. The, the, it was uh, this weekend. And uh, they had the Scoop Jackson um, feature on the Ball family. Um, and I want to get into this with you because there's some interesting dynamics. I get what he's trying to do. I understand it. I get the game plan. I get the strategy. I'm not sure if it's going to work the way he wants it to work. Um, but she immediately was like, after about three minutes, she wasn't even paying attention. She was The missus was doing something else, you know, and I just had it on in the background. I was doing something else as well because I had already seen it. Um, and then, uh, and then, um, basically she was like, I don't like this dude. And I was like, what are you talking about? Who are you talking about even? And she was like the guy on the TV. And I wasn't even paying attention to what was on at the time. Um, and then I turned and I look and I'm like, oh yeah. So then she started getting into it. Like she just heard him talking in the background. Like again, she wasn't paying attention to him at all. Until he started talking. She wasn't paying attention to the story until he started talking. And that's, unfortunately, I feel like the effect that he is going to have on people, instead of people kind of getting introduced to his sons through their talent, they're getting introduced to this to his sons through him. Like hardcore basketball people know who his kids are. My wife doesn't know who his kids are. But now she knows who he is, and she knows she doesn't like him. And so now she doesn't like him. She's not going to like his kids <laughs> because they're associated with him, and he thinks they're the best thing since sliced bread. And, well, she's going to watch, and if they're not the best thing since sliced bread, she's going to call it out. And that's what's going to happen with the average casual fan who isn't locked in to hoops and don't know who his kids are. He is the first impression. And he is not making a good first impression with the casual fan. Like, I can look past all that, and I'm going to judge Lonzo Ball on Lonzo Ball. I'm going to judge Jello Ball on Jello Ball, and I'm going to judge Mellow Ball on Mellow Ball. Um, and I don't think – and I'm and I'm, and I'm going to associate their brand with their brand of play rather than the other stuff that makes a brand. 
right? Um, but I think, you know, he's rolling by the all attention is good attention um, game plan. And I don't know if in 2017 if all attention is really good attention. Um, what do you think of, of, of how he's approaching this whole build-a-brand model? It's crazy because, you know, we built our show on uh, talking a lot about particularly this issue. I mean, we've had Ramoya Hume on. Um, we've had Alan Sack on. Um, we have numerous people coming on just talking about uh, uh, NCAA and, and just the role of players' rights and all bunch of things and talking about empowerment, you know, what would happen if players um, understood their power and to move on it. Um, in fact, uh, uh, we're going to be uh, uh, partnering in a couple weeks uh, in Madison, um, uh, actually showing uh, the uh, screening of the film of the business of amateurs, which was done by a former USC uh, player. It's a great kind of documentary on college sports. Um, we have Chris Boylan involved in it um, as well in the panel. It's going to be a, a really good panel around this idea. So on one side, there's this, this part around how do we how the athletes get more empowered in this space, given that their brand is being used to uh, produce billions of dollars? And so from that side of it, from that fundamental side of it, I think ball has a point. But a lot of it comes down to the optics and the delivery. And this is where um, emotional intelligence is very important. His plan is actually a good plan. His delivery is terrible. And so what's happening is he's actually saying some really good things, but the way in which he's doing it, because it's not coherent and it's pushing back on the people who might be very supportive about how he's going at it, is, is, uh, uh, is taken away from it. Um, and in fact, you know, sometimes you have to change up the delivery for people to hear your sound. So he has, from a most intelligent sense, he's missing the mark on that reading the tea leaves, knowing when to pull back and love it. So now he's over the top. What's amazing about this is that the kids seem like they're just going. You know, players like them, you know, they're like, well, that's bad. They just keep it moving. And I think the way in which if they survive it, the way in which they don't survive it is they really develop the skills to deflect that. And people who probably work with them directly and see them in in their teammates and stuff, you know, uh, uh, engaging them in a different way. And so, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't take away, I, yeah, I don't think he should, he should be going over the top. I do like the idea of thinking about your brand and how you do it. I do like that. But his delivery and his strategy is all wrong. And he don't seem like he's coachable enough to listen. So, like, all those things are bad, are bad kinds of lessons for his son in a sense that, that, He's kind of getting access to people. If he just kind of took a step back, he's in L.A. He, he, you know, he could be connected with magic. He, he could be – he had access to people who could help him kind of take a step back and have a different strategy, but he doesn't appear to be wanting to listen. And I think that's very problematic. So, but the kids, they seem like they just, like, fight through it. And they cool with it. Nothing bothers them. Which says on one side, they raise some really good kids. Right, they raise really the kids. On the other side, he's overshadowing. But the principle of brand ownership, I actually intrigued by that. Yeah, I think uh, you know he uh, 
Yeah, like so, like, and this. So then, you know, me and my wife got to talking about just who he is and what he's doing and, and how does this impact his boys and all this kind of stuff. And you know, one thing she immediately pointed out was, oh, he's kind of like circumventing the system. That's really intelligent. Like he's, like he's the he's like marketing his boys, and he's creating this brand. Even though his boys can't profit from it, it's all in the family, so they are going to profit from it. So he's like. That's right. He's like gaming the system in a way where his boys can't do endorsements, but he can. Like he can't. He can be. A, yeah. He can be on TV. He can be out there. He can be. Um, <clears throat> so like that is genius in my opinion. And then just creating your own brand. And so then we got to talking about well, okay, so what's the end game, right? Is the end game that they're mm-hmm. gonna create their own shoe line, their own clothing line? Or is the end game, we're going to work with a major company, but then have our own brand within that company, a la Jordan, you know what I mean, who has brand Jordan, the Jordan brand within Nike, Um, which is, again, it's a a genius idea and a concept and a model. Um, Does he have the leverage to do it yet? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think he has the leverage. I, 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 and you're right. His execution is just all wrong. It's just all, all wrong. wrong. Um, his execution is just all wrong. It's just not the way in which I think he wants to go. He should want to go about building this up. Um, because again, he is turning away potential support. You know, every every person he turns off was a potential customer. And everybody knows in business yeah. that's not the way you do this. That's not the way you do this. Every time he gets on TV, he might gain 10 customers, but he's losing 10 customers. So he broke even. Yeah. That's a bad business model. You know, that's a bad yeah. business model. Yeah. Um, I, I, Steph I, I didn't become the brand that – what's that? I, I was going to say, I coined him the black Trump of sports. He just, he just missed right. all <laughs> He just, he just talking, you know, with no strategy. And so, you think he's doing the art of the deal in a, in a, in a dynamic where that's not how deals are made, right? Just like Trump is thinking he's doing the art of the deal in a dynamic in a government in a in a republic system uh, that is, 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 is has fail safe for people who try to do the art of the deal. So he's trying to do that second thing in a system in a way that could put back on him in the way you just said, right? So he's not aligning his strategy with the system in which he's working with. And he don't seem to be coachable, right? So who in his inner circle, does that sound like Trump? Who in his inner circle can tell him? Don't sound like, you know, uh, his partners, his wife can say that. Don't sound like kids will say So who, who can tell him to be quiet? I don't find anybody can tell him that. Don't it sound like Trump? Like who can tell him he's got to stop tweeting? Who can right. tell you that couple of years? No, there's like nobody in his circle, in the circle can say, you need to step down. Ain't nobody got any influence right. there. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. We, I'm with you. We, I'm all, with we you. all need that. We all need that, right? You and I say that for each other. You call it an AD. You know, maybe you need to come at it that way. Phil will call me like, hey, like we got people in our lives who. Don't tell, they tell us uh, what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, right? That's important right. to have a, have a, have a, a board of directors like that. And he, 
obviously nobody near him that felt like they could. If they, if they were, then he would probably be a justice. But if nobody could tell him if he's going to listen. That's how I love Trump. Yeah, and, and that's what, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing, right? That's the thing that leads to the downfall of not only the brand, but of the players in these situations. I mean, isn't that what hurt a Lenny Cook, a Sebastian Telfair, um, you know, all of these guys who had the potential, but they didn't, they had people around them who were all yes men, right? And nobody's telling them what they need to hear. Instead, they're telling them what they want them to, what they want to, what they, what they feel like he he wants to hear. You know what I mean? Nobody's checking them. And anytime you get into an environment where you can't be checked, that always leads to the person who that always leads to the downfall of a person. Um, and I feel like there's just a bad, bad ingredient, just bad things that are going on. And I, but I get yeah. what he's trying to do. Like yeah, I get what he's I, trying I to do. I, I love it. I mean, he's he's captured something. And the problem is like. You and I are, like, dissecting that. Marissa dissected that. Not enough people uh, are going to take the time to do what we just did. Are going to listen close enough to, like, capture those nuggets. Like, he's got to have special people like us who actually will, look, like, get through the noise enough to pay attention to the substance. That's what right. we want. Like, we, got, we have to we – because you and I are listening for those things, but most people are not. <laughs> right, and so I think that's where he's missing it. Whereas I think the kids have the capacity to do it. He's he's actually developing to a point where I think by themselves they could do that. He could just be behind the scenes. I think he's got them to a point where they're standing on strong enough legs where they can they they know how to handle the pressure in the in the, in the limelight. They seem like pretty confident kids who could who could who who understand these issues enough right now that I think he could probably step back and. Just manage it from behind the scenes, and they can run with it. You know, I think he's not seeing that yet. Like you, you raised them to be ready to do it. Just step back. I think they can deliver for you. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's and and, and that's the pro. And right, and so that's the thing. Like his boys can play. Let them play. Like they play. They got know, and I was gonna say before. Smart. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say before. You know, Steph Curry didn't become Steph Curry overnight. No. You know, he bubbled in the league for five or six years and then blew up. And it worked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it worked. He became a huge brand. It wasn't forced. It was organic. It wasn't unnatural. And it was all predicated upon how he played. Um, and because it was predicated on how he played and not anything else, um, it worked. <laughs> you know what I mean? It worked. It, I mean, he cashed in, Under Armour's cashing in, um, and, you know, he's the second biggest brand in the league. Hands down, period. Um, and he came out of nowhere in that, in, in that way because, you know, for the first five years of his career, he was just another player. Um and so, like, you can build a brand, a successful brand, without all of the stuff that he's doing. And that's the thing that I think I try and impart on people when I have conversations about him and what he's doing is that, yes, I get what he's doing, but you can do this different ways, and there's a better way to do it. This way, again, you are turning off as many people as you're turning on. 
And so um, this is this may not be the best way to do it. Um, that's just my opinion of it. Yeah, I, I agree. So, you know, as we continue to go through this, um, you know, UNC, how is Roy going to mess this up? Because <laughs> it seems like this is a good, this is his chance, right? It seems like this is his chance. But it's all, it's good old Roy. He ain't going to get this right. <laughs> I, he ain't going to get it right. Form of, my form of a team that can win is still uh, and not play well. I think the reason what will help him is the fact that his big hit that glass on the offensive glass as well as anybody in the country. Um, I remember watching him in the Molly Classic when he played Wisconsin. I mean, he did some work with these kids in the offseason. He got them, Meeks and all them. I mean, they were hitting the glass, offensive boards, rebounding. They cleaned that glass up. And when you do that, I think he learned some things from watching his little Michigan State. He started to build that toughness with his bigs um, with his team. And I think that might be the one thing that saves them from the kind of things that he might mess up. Um, uh, and I think uh, what Jackson, I think, is coming back. He did the right things. He worked on the right stuff to be able to deliver when he needs to. So I, I think he got depth. I don't know how he messes up. You know, if he, he messed this one up, he might um, be our first uh, uh, person that, just be a permanent fixture on the can't trust list if he messed this up. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know if he needs to win the championship, but if he don't make it to the finals, then he might be permanently on our can't trust list with this team. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, this is this is it, right? <laughs> I mean, this I mean is it. run run all the players he's had on his teams between UNC and Kansas. Think about all the talent he's had. He should have like yeah. six championships. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, man. He's an elite coach for getting <laughs> over the top. You know what I'm saying? But think about all the talent. If you look at yeah. every team he's coached and look at the talent and number of cats who went to the NBA. Look, look at those teams. You're like, they didn't win. Some of those teams didn't even get out of lead eight. Right. Yep. 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 Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Hey, listen, if he can't get it with this group, man, I don't know. I don't know. I know he's got one. Um, <laughs> we're closing in on the last 15 minutes of the show. Um, before we kind of finish out, we have to if the if the one C's were wire characters, who would they be? All right. Who would they be? All right, we'll start <laughs> we will start with Villanova first. Uh if Villanova was a wire character, who would they be? Take a second. Think about it, let it marinate. <laughs> I got a great answer. I got a great answer. Mm. While you think about yours, you want me to give my answer? Yeah, give your answer. Uh, You might kiss me on my butt. 
Villanova. Villanova is Frank Sabatka. (laughs) (laughs) Frank from the docks. Frank was an unlikely, just an unlikely champion. He was winning in a drug game. It really wasn't his, it just, he didn't quite fit. Um, and Frank rose to the top of an organization. He had a key role to play. He was kind of on top of the world. He was making moves. He was running things down at the docks. He got too greedy. Uh, Frank, Frank overstepped his lines. Uh, he pissed off the Greek. <laughs> Frank wound up in the back of a trunk. <laughs> I think that's Villanova this year. Um, I think they're Frank Sabaka, man. I think they they are in position to kind of ride off into the sunset, take care of business, um, do what they got to do, get to where they need to get to. But Jay Wright is going Jay Wright. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it, even when it seems yeah. like all the cards in Jay Wright's favor, Jay Wright going Jay Wright. You know what I mean? And Sabaka, all he had to do was keep clashing them checks, keep doing what he was doing, keep his mouth shut, not get greedy. And he could have rolled off into the sunset, grad, uh, retired on a union pension, um, and, and been and been set, and just been set. But no, <laughs> Sabaka wanted to get greedy. Um, and I think I think that moment where they're going to meet the Greek might be that, that round two. It might be that round two um, when they hit Wisconsin. We'll see. But uh, I got Frank Sabaka for Villanova. I got so Frank Sabaka. I was gonna. That's a great one. I was gonna call him Springer Beth, and mm. for some of the same reasons. And part of this Springer was always always want to be something different, want to get away from the game. You know, it, as Avon said, I told you about playing those away games. Want to be weren't satisfied about where they are, who they are. Was always looking on the fence trying to be to another place, trying to do them deals, trying to be in that space only to be hoodwinked to a point where they, he had to meet his maker in the end. And that's why I see Villanova is that part of them remaining this thing is understanding what their DNA is for them to be, what it means to be Villanova to be great in this one, or is it, that they're trying to play those away games? Are they trying to be something else? Are they trying to put them deals together, themselves to be seen as the Duke, the North Carolina, or the Kentucky? Or is it enough for them to be who they are, Villanova, where they are in the American Conference, doing what they're doing? That's, and I think part of it is they, they, they stretch them trying to do it, trying to be in that, you know, Jay's trying to be in that space, and he's going to get caught out there. And Brother Muzan will come see him looking like Nigel Hayes. Right. Yeah. Talking about where's my, my you know, yeah, Nigel man. election. Where's my paper? <laughs> right. <laughs> did, right. Did you bring me right. to New York? Right. Nigel Hayes going to show up with the glasses <laughs> With the SAT, GRE, LSAT words. <laughs> with the intellectual, right. but looking at you like, Right. This Neanderthal yeah. just shot me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we got Villanova, Stringer Bell, and Frank Sabaka. Gonzaga. Who is Gonzaga? Gonzaga is Michael. Mm. 
Okay. Learning how Michael over the seasons that he was uh, was growing and developing into what eventually becoming and somewhat replacing uh, Omar in a way, right? But it was something that was he got to that point where he realized his power and control, but it happened over a process. It happened over multiple seasons of his identity, going from that quiet kind of meek guy. He never really said much. You didn't know what was his head. Had a lot of love for his little brother. But you started to see him evolve and find himself through the process. Ultimately got to a point where he could take care of himself, where, you know, he, he could make the move. But it, it marinated. It didn't happen overnight. He studied. He looked. He paid attention to the game. He stayed within himself. And by the end of the series, he had become someone who might be feared. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, Gonzaga, I go with Lester Freeman. <laughs> um. I like that. Yeah, I go with Lester oh, Friedman because Lester was kind of always in the background, but Lester was always mm. a key player. He was always, you know, he just sit back down, sit sit in the background, making his little furniture, you know, doing his little thing. But he was always an integral part of the game, and you always knew he was a player. He may not have been a front out in front type of player, but he was always a player. But eventually, he became more and more of a centerpiece. And in the last season, him and McNulty. Was running that game. <laughs> and this is this might be this might be you know that season for Gonzaga where they finally you know and, and he rode off into the sunset with a young lady. You know what I mean? And, and you know Lester was a little player, but Lester always hung out in the background, laid in the cut, chilled out, and then he made his move. You know, so that's that's Gonzaga to me. You know, I think they've been laying in the cut, kind of bubbling for the last 10, 15 years. And I think this is a team that's going to kind of put them out in the forefront. They'll win a championship, and then they'll slide back into the cut. <laughs> and just go back to being good again. They don't want the spotlight like that. Um, Kansas. Who is Kansas? Ooh, man. Who's Kansas? I got one for this. I got, I got, I got this one. Kansas. I got a couple here. I got another one. Go ahead. Kansas is Proposition Joe. I'll just say. <laughs> Kansas is Prop Joe. The reason I say Kansas is Prop Joe is Prop Joe was at the top of the game, always at the top of the game, always in the mix, always one of the top two or three cats in the in, in the in the city of Baltimore as far as the drug game goes. He was always right there. Uh, methodical, meticulous, detail-oriented. Um, you always felt like he was on top of his game. But even Prop Joe got caught up. Even Prop <laughs> Joe took L's. <laughs> he and he and in the end, Prop Joe got got. And Prop Joe, when he got got, he was set up by his own nephew. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how this is gonna go out. For Kansas, in a symbolic way, they are going to kill themselves. <laughs> they are going to get done in by themselves, by the ghost of Kansas past. So I got Kansas as prop joke. Uh, yeah, I was going to go with prop 
uh, Joe, I was going to go with Clay Davis. Always. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, prominent. yeah. There, always that, but always spinning out. Always got a next move, would recover, but would never win. But always, and at the end of when they really get caught, they'll say that famous thing that he always says. But I always felt like they were Clay Davis. You could never trust him. You, you knew right. he was shaking your hand, right. but you knew something else was on the other side of it. And uh, so I, I was really right. thinking about, about Clay Davis was, was one of them. That, I, like, I like your thought, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So, and then the last one, UNC. UNC. Who you who you got for UNC? Man. Um, man, I'm, I'm trying to think of it. Um, Maybe I mean UNC is a couple of different ways. I, I think Burrell, man, Burrell. Mm, mm. You know he That's came in way. and out of power with with yeah. had stature. Uh, was in out but always present. You kind of never knew. There are times you thought he was on his heels and he would he would twist out of it. But he 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 had, he had that tradition, that stature. He, he, he kind of held it throughout the series. But you, you, at some time, you thought he was on shaky legs. You're like, ain't no way in the world. But he he would he would spin out of it. Um, just when they thought they would have him, he did. But at some point, you never thought he was on fight good footing. But you always knew he had enough foundation to go. But Burrell is kind of a an interesting kind of character there that that had strength, power, had had positioning, but you never thought he was stable, stability. You always wait for the other shoe to drop. Somebody was always making a play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is the one I gave to Clay Davis. Um, and North Carolina to me is Clay Davis. They always look like they make moves. They always seem like they got power. They always seem like they're in the mix. They always seem like a major player. But in the end, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. <laughs> it's a lot of fool's gold. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the way I see North Carolina. It's just like and, – and, and when, it, when, it, when it goes bad, it goes bad for them, you know. And, and they, they, left out, they left out to dry in a bad spot. Um, and they, they've had some success, and they've climbed up the ladder, and they, they've had some reasons to be to be arrogant and to be uh, uh, full of themselves um, and a little um, over boisterous. But it ain't their time. So I got them as Clay Davis. You know, I got I got them as Clay Davis. <laughs> and I, I want to add one more on it. They're not enough more speed, but I want to talk about Kentucky. Go Kentucky ahead. Kentucky is bunny cold. They're bunny cold. They realized the system was messed up, and so they created their own version of Hampstead. Mm. They decided to go mm. a different way, to change mm. the game. They didn't want. To, they, they said, "Let's not go. Let's understand what it is, and let's contain it, and let's be honest about what it is." And at some point, the system, because you press against it, comes down on you because they just can't accept the fact that maybe you're right, but we just can't do that. We just can't have the hamster dance. We just can't have the one and done, right? But we just, they, they decided 
that we understand the flaw of the system. We're just going to be honest with it, and we're going to, we're going to take it for what it is, and we're going to deal with it for what it is. And so we create Amsterdam and the change to get right. Mm. Mm. That's that's Calipari. Wow, wow. I can I can I can I can rock with that. I can rock with that. <laughs> I can rock with that for sure. What? We 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 hit the we hit the stuff today, bro. This is off the dome. This is good stuff. Right, right. That's gonna do it for this edition of Real Sports Guys. RealSportsGuys dot com. RIC Renegade Radio. Uh, you got the last word, D. Will. Hey, you know, uh, as we said, look, we're we're on the, uh, we've already got the first floor uh, plan, but, uh, you know, sports Christmas or sports holiday, is, we know work productivity is going to go down. We just know that. Um, understanding that, I decided just to take those two days off. You know, I know if you are uh, planning to keep your eye on, 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 the, uh, on the game, just make sure you don't lose your job. You understand that uh, uh, the people on the court are playing. If you have work, take care of yourself. Find a way to do that and not lose out. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some shining moments. You can't – this is one thing that you cannot mess up. You know, we talk about the seedings or whatever. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some crazy plays. There's going to be some things we're going to be talking about in the office on Monday that we saw on this first weekend. There's going to be a buzz. Twitter's going to blow up. Memes, we're going to see Jordan Klein memes. We're going to see all of that. Oh, but what's yeah. great about this is, is, <laughs> is we're going to have some young cats who just going to lace it up and know that at the end of the game, somebody got to go on and then somebody's going to advance. There's nothing more pure than sports than that. And I'm going to enjoy it. I know my guy Game Changer is going to enjoy it. And I want you to enjoy it. So enjoy March Madness. It's here. Embrace it. And I look forward to the shining moments. All right, then. Well, that'll do it for this edition of The Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RIC Renegade Radio. Until next time, peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.